joy to be here tonight. I love being at the Temple Baptist Church. I thank God for the many years that Ruth and I and our boys have had the privilege to be part of this ministry and this church. We love Pastor and Miss Sexton and so many of you. It's always encouraging to walk through. I'm thankful that it takes me a long time as I come in and a long time as I go out. I rejoice in that. It's what a privilege. Thank you for speaking to us and loving us and praying for us and we're so thankful. A little update on my boys, and we don't mind traveling just the two of us. I like her a lot. Uh, but uh, we're at a stage in life now where uh, they've got a lot going on. Uh, Ian this year will be a senior in high school, and uh, we thank the Lord for that. And uh, Hudson, he'll be a junior, I mean, sorry, a sophomore in high school, and they're playing sports, they're at camps and all kinds of things. And uh, we miss them traveling with us and singing with us, but uh, we, we let them do their own thing too. And uh, we're thankful. They're serving the Lord with us in our church, and we just can't be thankful enough. If you'll take your Bibles tonight and go with me in 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. I want to preach a message to you. I hope it will be a help to you. And I'll show you a promise that is very encouraging and challenging all at the same time. 1 John chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 7. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 7. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 7, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. Look with me in verse number 10. The Bible says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. I want to share a message from this passage of Scripture and we'll title it just that. The Bible says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. We should yearn our hearts to be the kind of Christians who walk in the light of God's plan and will and direction. But it is possible even to save people to spend lengthy times of our life where we're not being led by the Spirit of God. We're not having clarity on God's will and God's plan for our life. We're walking in darkness. And the Bible shows us something here that the clarity of God's will, the joy that comes from knowing Jesus by faith as Savior, the Peace that comes from knowing you're doing what's right. Satisfaction and security and being able to rest in God's goodness even when things aren't going well. Light. Light hinges on something very simple but very important. The Bible says, He that loveth his brother... abideth in the light. 
tonight's message, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. I want to start here at number one with this. We're going to compare some things. The first point is the old and new commandments. I don't know about you, but the, uh, when I read this and when I read it for the first time in a long time, I have to go a little bit cross-eyed reading verses 7 and 8. How I many of you ever come to Bible passages and, and you come to this passage you're like, oh my lands, what in the world did that just say? I found out something that most of the time, those things that I have to work just a little bit harder to try to understand and I have to give a little more diligence and I have to pray and ask the Lord to give me clarity. I found out through the years, a lot of the times those things that kind of scratch my head at first are the things that really encourage me along the way. And when we come to verse number seven, the Bible says, brethren, he's writing to Christian people. I write no new commandment unto you. Okay, I can understand that. But an old commandment, all right? He's not going to write us a new commandment. He's going to write to us an old commandment. I got that so far. An old commandment which we had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. You know what? Verse 7, no problem. An old commandment. I got it. I can think of some old commandments, can't you? Verse number 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Do what? He just said he's writing to us an old commandment, not a new commandment. Then he turns around and says, he's writing a new commandment, not an old commandment. Surely the Bible's got an error in it. Absolutely not. There's a song Ruth and I have sung through the years and it has this lyric, and I love it. If you find when you read it, talking about the Bible, there's something wrong, there's something wrong with you. Don't forget it. We hold in our hands the inerrant, inspired word of God. Hallelujah. Well, which one is it? An old commandment or a new commandment? Yes. Yes, it is. What's the old commandment? I'm so glad you asked. The Bible gives us some, some clarity on this as we continue to read. In verse number 10, the Bible says, He that loveth his brother abideth in light. Hmm, I bet that commandment has something to do with loving your brother. It continues in verse number 11 and contrasts the commandment, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness. I got it. So maybe the commandment is love your brother. And then we can get some clarity. If you'd like to look with me, you can look back in your Bibles in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the third book of the Bible. In the book of Leviticus chapter number 19 and verse number 18, the Bible gives us a command. Leviticus 19 verse 18, the Bible says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. We see we have this command from God to love our brothers, to love one another. And I'll just tell you, it's an old commandment. Those Levitical commandments, they came earlier than Samuel and the things we talked about digging up just a few minutes ago. It's a fascinating thing to think about that God, since the very beginning is giving us this principle, an idea, and this commandment. It's an old commandment. Let me tell you something. You are supposed to love one another. There's no exceptions. It's an old commandment. The old commandment. Okay, what's the new commandment? The old commandment is love the brethren. Well, what's the new commandment? 
It's different. Okay, what is it? Love the brethren. Are you confused yet? Let me show you in your Bibles. If you turn to the book of John with me for just a minute, John chapter 13. John chapter 13 and verse number 34. John chapter 13 and verse number 34, Jesus speaking here in this passage of Scripture. John chapter 13 and verse number 34. The Bible says, a new commandment. Aha, uh-huh. that's interesting, isn't it? A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. What's the old commandment? Love one another. Love the brethren. What's the new commandment? Love one another. Love the brethren. Are they different? Yes. How? I'll tell you the difference. The old commandment is the commandment that says love your brethren before we had the greatest example of love that's ever lived and breathed and died and rose again on planet earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. The old commandment says love one another and it's a good commandment and we should do it and it's real and right. But even the Pharisees, uh, they would use an opportunity to ask questions to Jesus like, yeah, I know we're supposed to love the brethren but <laughs> and love my neighbor, but who's my neighbor? And they tried to work their way around it. But when Jesus came, the old commandment, love one another. It brought on new meaning because the old commandment had this hint of darkness. The new commandment had the light of Jesus Christ. And the new commandment said, we're to love one another like Jesus loves one another. The new commandment sounds the same, but has a completely different meaning. It has new meaning, it has new life, it has a greater example. I'll give you an example of this. Me and my boys and some family members, we like to play golf. And the other day, Hudson and I, we were out on the golf course and we we're playing golf. We're getting ready to tee off on hole number one. And we kind of want to move fast. We don't, we're impatient. We can't help it. That's just the way we are. We're a little impatient. And there's some folks in front of us. And when you first look at these folks, you think, oh, man, this will be okay. I'm telling you, this guy has on a beautiful, bright yellow golf shirt. He's got a golf bag that I'm envious of. He's got all the tools that you need to have a great golf round. And I'll tell you, as we began to watch him tee off on the first hole, the first hole this guy he took five beautiful gorgeous practice swings I thought five is a little extreme but he took five practice swings and he stepped up to the ball and when he swung the club for the sixth time I'm just going to tell you it was horrid I could spit a grape further than he hit a golf ball you know what I mean kids so he goes and gets his ball and Stands next to it, takes five practice swings, hits it again. Gets in his cart, pulls 10 foot forward, gets out of his cart, takes five practice swings, hit the ball again. The only person worse than him playing golf was the guy playing with him. He hit the ball 10, 12 feet, and he would do this until he got to the ball. I looked at us, I said, oh, buddy, it's going to be a rough day. Let me tell you something. As I stood there and watched those guys play golf, I had this thought, and I was right I'm a good golfer. As a matter of fact, I'm a very good golfer. I looked at Hudson. Hudson, you, son, are a very good golfer. 
And compared to those guys, it was true. They were terrible. Praise the Lord. Finally, they let us play through. Hallelujah. I think they're still playing. It's been a month. I think they're still out there. But then something happened. I went home that evening and sat down on the couch and turned the TV on for a minute. And PGA Tour was on, and I watched a little golf, and I watched these guys hit the golf ball like machines. And I thought for a second, you know what? I'm not a very good golfer. He is a very good golfer. You see, I hadn't changed at all, but the point of comparison had. And I, folks, I want you to know something. God in the old commandment said, hey, listen, you need to love your brethren. You need to love one another. You need to love. You need to not hate. You need to love. And he was right, and the spirit of God is to love one another. But when God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins and love us and love us unconditionally, the new commandment takes on new meaning because we're not comparing it to the Old Testament law and the works of men. We're comparing it to the Savior, the sinless Son of God. Now, when we begin this passage of Scripture, if you're going to understand and know how to love and to love one another, the standard has been set in Christ Jesus and we're to love like Jesus did. I have another great example. It happened to me here at Crown College. I grew up in Chilhowee, Virginia and we're country and I'm a country bumpkin and uh, how many of you think I've got an accent? And uh, the more I spend time in Chilhowee, the, the thicker it seems to get. Uh, I don't apologize for it. Y'all don't have to get used to it because this is how what it's going to sound like all for all of eternity. This is the language of heaven. It's just a fact. When I came to Crown College, I'd taken an SAT score. Me and my best friend who, thank the Lord, we get to serve the Lord together. He helps me in our church quite a lot and teaches Sunday school, Sunday school superintendent. We've been best friends with little boys and we were both very country farm boys and uh, rough around the edges and school was kind of a second thing for us and I don't recommend it, but it's just a fact. And so uh, we had to take our SAT scores, I mean, we had to take our SAT test in order to kind of to, to be able to go to college. And so we signed up to take the SATs on the same day. The instructions were go to bed early eat a good breakfast. We stayed out extra late, got there just barely on time. If they said two, number two pencils, we probably had number threes in our pockets if that was possible. We showed up to take our SAT test and I took mine and Matthew took his and when we finished, we're like, oh man, that was rough. In a couple weeks, the test results came back and I was a little nervous about it, but when I got my test result back, I had scored 1,000 on the SAT. That was back in the day when 1,000 was okay. Uh, they keep raising the numbers and anyway, It was when 1,000 was okay. Well, Matthew hadn't scored quite as high as I had, and so I thought, man, well, that's great. I started asking my buddies, what'd you get on the SAT? And they told me it wasn't close to 1,000. I was like, ooh, man, I did pretty good at this. So I came to Crown College and a little bit fish out of water thing. People would stop me and talk to me just so they could hear me talk and see, hear how I said words. And, uh, and so I, I'd heard that there was a scholarship available for students that did good and had good scores on the SAT. I was like, hmm, I had a good score on the SAT. I mean, I beat Matthew. I beat all my buddies. So I walked in the college office. I walked in the door and I said, Ma'am, I heard that 
you get a scholarship if you had a good score on the SAT. And she looked at him. She said, yes, sir, if you scored 1,200 or higher on your SAT, you can have, an, have a, a scholarship. I said, well, it's good to hear that. I hope you have a good day, ma'am. <laughs> you see, my good and the good standard for the scholarship was different. And I've said all that foolishness to say something very important. You see, the old commandment, it's true and it's right. We're to love the brethren. We're to love one another. But the new commandment takes on a whole new meaning because we're to love one another as Jesus loves. I remember that. Second thing I want to bring to your attention is this. There's a difference between words and actions. Look what the Bible says in verse number 9. Verse number 9 of 1 John chapter number 2. Verse number 9, the Bible says this. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. So the Bible says, He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother is in darkness even now. There's a difference between words and actions. The Bible says, He that saith. Have you ever heard somebody that uses faith words? You know, I'm following the Lord. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm a Christian. I want you to know something. You can say that I'm following the Lord, I'm trusting the Lord, I'm a Christian, I'm walking by faith, I'm resting in God, but I'll have you know something. God has made it very plain in his word. That is not true no matter how often you say it. If in your heart you have hate toward anyone. You see, loving your brother and hating your brother is the great qualifier and disqualifier of being able to walk in the light as he is in the light. It's the great qualifier and disqualifier from being able to know that you're doing God's will. It's the great qualifier and disqualifier between being able to rest and the fact that God is leading you. We're to love one another. It's not just words we say, but it's our actions. He that saith, the Bible says, and hateth his brothers in darkness even until now. Hating your brother. Hating your brother matters more than saying that you're following Christ. Oh, may the Lord help us. May the Lord help us to not only say that we live for Jesus, but actually live for Jesus and we keep the relationships in our lives right. You know that the devil, his number one, I should say one of his number one methods to rendering Christian people ineffective is when siblings hate one another. When husbands and wives begin to hate one another and no longer forgive. When church members begin to hate one another and no longer forgive. When church members hate pastors and pastors begin to dislike and hate church members I'll just have you know something and it's something that can happen at my place and here and anywhere because the devil's walking about as a roaring lion seeking to be made of hour and the only person that you can take care of is you you need to repent if you've got bitterness in your heart towards anybody because I'll have you know something if you do not love the brethren if you do not love one another you're not walking in the light. I could tell you I was a light bulb, but it wouldn't be true. I could tell you anything you want, but it's not true until it's 
actually who I am and what I am. You see, faith words do not make up for the neglect of faith works, actions that say, hey, listen, I'm a child of God. I read to you a few minutes ago that passage in John when Jesus was speaking. In John chapter 13, he says, A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. As I have loved you that ye also love one another. Verse 35 says this, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have loved one another. What does it do? It identifies us. When we love one another, hey, look, I've given folks all over this place reason not to love me. But I'm thankful that you love me anyway. Hallelujah. And the love that we share for one another, the forgiveness that we share for one another, and the patience and the grace that we extend to one another, guess what? That's what proves to folks who are on the outside looking in, those people really do love Jesus. Those people really do know Christ. Those people really are walking in the light. There's a little statement I like to use. I may have learned it from you, Pastor. Our talk talks and our walk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. Y'all understand that? I need to make sure that with the Lord's help that our words and our actions match and the commandment that God has commanded us is to love the brethren. We're to love the brethren. What's this love look like? Will you look with me in 1 Corinthians 13? I want you to see this for just a moment. What's this love look like? What's the action of the love of Christ look like in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often referred to as the love chapter, the word charity here? Beautiful word. It's the same as love and charity. What are we to do? The Bible says in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and I have not charity, I am become as sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. The Bible says, says you can say Christian sweet godly things all you want, but if you don't have love in your heart, you're just making noise. Verse 2 And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. You can be the most theologically sound human being that's ever walked on two feet. But if you don't have love, all your efforts are nothing. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, there's the charitable person. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. There are generous people who have hate in their hearts and they're trying to appease their conscience doing good things. But I'm just telling you, love one another. Verse 4, charity suffereth long. I'm telling you, loving is not easy. Loving people you'd rather hate it lasts a long time. It takes a lot of effort, but it's utmost important. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Oh, I love that word, kind. Someone looked at me one day and said, Cody, always stay humble and kind. It's something to work at. You see, charity is kind. I just don't think that Being unkind is a loving action. And the Bible says we're to 
Be kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Charity is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Charity beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. You see, we're to love. We're to love like Jesus loves unconditionally. Love the brethren. Finally, number three, we've contrasted the old and the new commandment. We've contrasted words and actions. And finally, let's contrast light and darkness. Look with me in verse number 11, will you? Verse number 11, 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 11, the Bible says, but he that hateth his brother. That's a scary place to be, but it's something that'll creep up on you. How many of you in this congregation have ever dealt with bitterness towards someone? Would you raise your hand? Yes, me too. You know, bitterness and anger and unforgiveness is something that'll just creep up on you. And sometimes it creeps up on us and it takes a long, long time for us to realize that, oh man, I'm in a mess. The Bible says in verse 11, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I'll just tell you something. Verse number 11 scares the wits out of me. I think about being a husband and I'll just tell you every day I want to make wise decisions with God's help to be the best husband I can possibly be to my wife and I think about the possibility of walking in darkness because I've let some person or some sinful thing in my heart take place of the light of Jesus Christ and it scares me to death I don't want to mess up the most valuable asset that God has ever given me on this earth, my wife. And I think about being a dad. It's the most exciting and fulfilling job God's ever given me. I love it more than anything I've ever got to do. And I think, Lord, I don't want to be in darkness leading my boys in the most pivotal days and years of their lives. And it motivates me to love people I'd rather not and be kind to people I'd rather not and be patient with folks that I'd rather not because I don't want to be in darkness. I think about the sweet church that God's given me the privilege to pastor. Oh, I love it. You can only imagine the dream come true of a boy that loves Chilhowie, Virginia, more than any place. I tell folks, I've been all over the world. I don't worship it. If God called me out of there, we're gone. But I love Chilhowie, Virginia. I love my people. I love my family. I love my area. I love our culture. I love it. And God has called me. A boy that loves Chilhowie, Virginia to pastor a church right in the heart of it. And I'm thrilled. And I'll just tell you, I take it really serious. That the things we do and the messages that I preach and the counsel that I give is done in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ and is under the direction of the Holy Ghost. But I'll just have you know something. 
violent bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. And I fail to love my brethren. It doesn't matter how many sweet Bible messages I preach. I'm preaching in the dark. I'm walking in the dark. I'm leading in the dark. And I'll just tell you, it scares me. But it's just as much as verse 11 scares me. Verse number 10 thrills my soul. Look what it says. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Hallelujah. That's all I got to do. I, all I got to do is put up with them and I'm going to be in the light. All I have to do is be patient and kind and love those people and I'm going to be okay. God says he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Look what it says in the conclusion of verse number 10. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you, every time I'm tempted to be very upset at that person. And the more people you work with, the more opportunities you have to be mad at people. Amen. And I'm tempted to be upset and angry and bitter toward that person or 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 that person. I'm reminded. He that loveth the brethren. The Bible tells us that if I love the brethren, there is no occasion. There's no occasion of stumbling in him. It's not because I'm a good follower. It's not because I'm a great Christian. When I'll determine with God's help to be a forgiving Christian, a loving Christian, God says, hey, listen, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there's none occasion of stumbling in him. I love this new commandment. Boy, Jesus, didn't he set a high standard for us? My sin sent him to the cross. He loved me anyway. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish and have everlasting life. Oh, what a love. The Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself became obedient unto death. The Lord Jesus Christ did it for me. I have no reason whatsoever to hate anybody. I'm to love the brethren. We're to love one another. And when we do, oh, what a promise and a blessing the Lord Jesus affords to us. I need his light. I need his direction. The decisions are too much for me. The responsibility is too great. And I'm too frail. God's perfect. 